Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. The late lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk, and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the new and pre-owned Renault, Dacia, and Opel range, and a car finance specialist on site to arrange a finance package that suits your budget. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See BlackstoneMotors.ie. You're very welcome to late lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Nice to be back in the hot seat. Big thank you to Joan Larkin, who was in the hot seat minding the shop for the last couple of days. Thanks indeed, Joan. Much appreciated. Good to be with you. I was away doing a bit of fishing. Yeah, the mayfly is up. Oh, the weather's brutal, isn't it? Oh, I never felt it as cold, to be honest with you, at this time of the year, uh, away on uh, the lakes fishing. It's just unbelievable. The night, the temperatures in the evenings are shocking. They really are. And the weather, it's just so indifferent. So we're like, like the farmers, the anglers, aren't we? We're never happy what way the weather is. But it is the truth. It's been a shocking cold April. And that lack of kindness in the weather has continued into the month of May but there you are it is what it is and that's mother nature and it's not looking much better for the next week or so to be honest with you I don't mean to be the bringer or the bearer of poor news on the weather front but uh, tomorrow it's a washout altogether anyway nice to be back with you on the show I'll have plenty to talk to you about over the next while coming up on today's show Father Derek Ryan is joining us from the Redemptorist in Dundalk back to the future. You have to hear what's happened there. They've uh, gone backwards to go forwards. We'll also be talking about a wonderful new play on a house like a fire. It's by Michelle Reed, and it's about her mum in her latter years and her lifetime as well. So lovely. Sue Marsterson is with us. She's marking two years of being alcohol free and all the goodies that that's brought to her life. But first up on today's show, we're having a chat with one of our regulars and we have missed her so much. She hasn't been here for I'd say 15 months at least. But she flung open the doors of Globe Travel again on Monday and I'm curious to see who's uh, been in and what's happening in the world of travel. Sandra Finnegan from Globe Travel, hello again. Hi Jerry. long time. Oh Sandra, too long, too long. Anyway, no. you're back, you open Monday and what's the reaction been? What, what are you seeing? Well, we've been here, Jerry, behind yes, the I know. for the last 15 months, but we decided, you know, let's try and open the doors and get a bit of positivity going again. Um, people are anxious to travel. People are interested in traveling. They're ready for a holiday, but they're just sitting tight because the situation is so fluid with the government. Mm. They are so slow at making any decisions going forward. Now, I know we have to do it as safely as possible and completely endorse that. But um, we're 
we've become so disconnected mm. with Europe and the rest of the world. It's actually scary. So people are treading cautiously. You know, I was just thinking of people, say, who'd booked, say, for 2020 cancelled. And there are some people, quite a lot of people as well, moved the booking forward to this year and they won't be going again this year. And some have deferred... Or moved to later on in the okay. year. Or, yeah. Oh, they defer to next in year. 2022. Yeah. People have done at this stage, yeah. Okay. And that that there's no issue with that around, you know, moving it on if you have to. You know, people are worried, oh, that we'll hardly be able to change it for a second time. What do you say to people who are feeling like that? Everything is possible, Jerry. Okay. You know? uh, and it just depends on the airlines in question. Um, the likes of Aer Lingus have been ex- exceptionally good. Ryanair, you can change, you can do what you like, but as long as you pay them. Um, the tour operators like TUI and Sunway, Top Flight have all been excellent. Um, they are allowing you change. Um, the likes of TUI, if they've cancelled the departure, they've given an added bonus of the value of your holiday, maybe plus 20%. So there's lots of incentives out there. The cruise companies giving the same options. Mm. So uh, they're very amenable. They're doing their best to accommodate everybody and help everybody. Now, two things have happened in the last few hours uh, today. The Thornist, again, it's his remit here. He he did say yesterday, non-essential travel. It would actually be August before people would travel. And I think he's been back on that front again today, uh, you know, talking about it. Is, Is that what you're referring to there? You know, that there's no definite date still? There's no definite dates. Uh... Supposedly there was to be a meeting this week and they were going to review the international travel programme and that's been deferred until next week. Mm. You know, we had signed up to the European Digital Green Pass and, um, you know, in the rest of Europe they're moving along with it and they expect that to be implemented by mid-June. Yes. Now, will that come, you know, uh, I've just got my second jab today, actually, uh, and in a week's time, I'm I'm, I'm fully covered, thank God. Uh, Will we have to apply for that, Sandra? Yes, it will be in online. Obviously, you've got your vaccine certificate. Yes, I have it here beside me. You've got a number on that. Mm. And you'll be going in and it'll all be linked to, you know, when you're registering, you had to give your PPS number, your date of birth. Yes. And then your vaccine number would be all associated with that. It's all you. We have to get up and running as well. But it's it's like traveling now at the moment, Jerry. Say, for example, you decided you were going to travel anyhow. Mm. Um, it's not just as simple as booking a flight anymore. You know, you have to have, if you did, if you weren't vaccinated, you have to have a PCR test. You have to fill out passenger locator forms on the destination you're going to and arriving back into Ireland. So the amount of administration and the amount of tracking that's done now on an actual booking is, you know, there's a lot of work to it. Okay, so the workload is increased and that's what you and your people and everybody in the business is looking at. The other positive though, Sandra, that's just come out in the last few minutes is that the EU are to ease restrictions and that fully vaccinated visitors will be able to visit EU countries. Yes. Uh, and all you need is sort of, even prior to having your your uh, DigiPass, once you've got proof of a uh, country of your vaccination, yeah. which you will have, which you have. And I, I think some, I think depending on the one, I think Pfizer is at a seven days and AstraZeneca is 14 days after the second dose. Yeah. They're all a different, Jerry. It's whatever the restriction on the vaccine is, that's the restriction that will be implemented. Yeah. 
How's it been, Sandra, for you? You must have looked out at times and thought, is there no end to this? Did you honestly feel at times that, you know, you mightn't have swung open those doors, stayed in operation? Has it been, you know, that desperate at times for you? It's been extremely, extremely difficult, but I'm a positive person. Mm. And I, the one thing, when I would meet people in the street, they'd always say, you're doing a great job, keep doing what you're doing. And they'd all say, we'll have the door knocked down when you're back open. <laughs> and literally, like on Monday, we had uh, our retirees who've had their second doses. And they're the customers we've had in so far. They're the privileged ones yeah. that have the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's great to see them. And, of course, they are keen uh, to get the and break. You know my God, do they deserve it. Or just yeah. something to look forward to. Yeah. And they're not, I'm not saying they're going today or tomorrow. But, you know, they still have a bucket list that they want to fulfill. Mm. And whether it's September, October or early in the 2022 like even like the amount of children who would have received trips to Disneyland and that's been closed. You know, that's reopening on the 17th of June. Yeah. Uh, and there's lots of exciting things happening there. Lapland is virtually full for Christmas this year. So there's very little availability on it because all the bookings from last year have rolled into this year. So Santa can only see so many. Yes. So. What about the cruisers? We always know you're a big fan of the cruise, but the cruise ran into, was one of the early ones to really run into difficulties with the COVID, with people being stuck on board and not being able to get home. Do you think that'll affect the mindset of people who love the cruise? No, not really, because you know the whole concept of cruising now is you can't board a ship without having proof of a vaccine. Yeah. So you can't go on a cruise ship without it. Mm. Even with the PCR test, you must be vaccinated. So it's probably going to be one of the most safest places to be. Uh, and, you know, their cruising is going to start later this summer with uh, the likes of Royal Caribbean and Norwegian Cruise Line uh, departing X, the Greek islands. That will be the first of the Mediterranean to start. And out of the UK, believe it or not, Royal Caribbean are doing um, cruises where they're, they're actually not making any stops. They're just, or literally going around the British Isles. Yes. Okay, so they're all thinking outside the box at this stage. Absolutely. What's your, from your years of experience, what do you see as, the, as say, the, the difficulty? Say, let, let's take it that August is the time that the green light is given and people can go. Will there be difficulty getting seats on flights? Will there be difficulty with accommodation in your favoured destination? No, I think that, you know, we've, we've got plenty of uh, hotels throughout Europe. We'll, you'll always find something. The difficulty you're going to get now is airlines are pulling routes. You know, we used to have a direct service to Toronto daily. That's mm. gone. We had uh, flights to Hong Kong three or four times a week. That's gone. Mm. We had two flights a day to Dubai and two flights a day to Abu Dhabi. They're down to uh, one flight three times a week. Yeah. So the connectivity of the island has become virtually isolated. Yes. Even European cities, you know, to get from um, Bulgaria to Ireland, you have to go via Amsterdam. Do you know what I mean? There's, the connectivity mm. is just not there. Like the amount of routes that has been pulled and then uh, the likes of Ryanair have moved some of their ports back into out of Belfast yeah. because the, the Northern Irish government will probably ease the travel restrictions there quicker than they will down here. 
Yeah. So they've moved there to to uh, take advantage of that. So there are issues. The connectivity, the routes are all impacted, and that's understandable. Airlines are deeply affected, etc., etc. But anyway, the message, what's your message today to people who are dying to get away, who are thinking, hoping that they can get away this year? What do you say to them to finish today? I would say to them, if you've got something in mind, give us a call. Try and get a plan in place. Have something to look forward to. Like the amount of people who are planning for Florida Easter 2022. You know, you can book something on a low deposit. In some cases, 50, 100 euro. And the majority of tour operators are allowing you free changes. Okay. Okay. So the message is, uh, look ahead, plan ahead, talk to us. Plan and, ahead. And, yeah. you know, we're we're working completely on government guidelines yeah. that when essential travel is available to go, we're here to help. Globetravel.ie are the main number there, 0419837791. That's 0419837791. I've missed you. It's good to talk to you. Uh, great to see you. Look forward to seeing you soon, Jerry. <laughs> Me too. Take care, Sandra. Take Thanks care, for taking Sandra. our call today. Bye-bye. That's Sandra Finnegan there, our travel advisor on late lunch for years now. We haven't uh, had her with us for about 15 months. It's been the toughest of times. It really has. We'd all love a break, wouldn't we? We would indeed. Look, patience. Vaccination is the thing. I got my second jab. I just got the second jab literally uh, about 45 minutes ago. Got the call, went in. I've had the second jab now. Seven days from now, they've told me I'm 95%. There still, of course, is a 5% chance. And uh, the good news is, even if I happen to get the COVID at that stage, it would be far, far less the impact than if I hadn't got the vaccine. I encourage you to get your vaccine. And one other point... The uh, vaccination centres, you know, the second callback for the second vaccine. There are numbers of people not going back for the second vaccine. You must go back because you get your appointment. And, you know, they're so disappointed when they don't see it. You've got the first one. You must get the second vaccine. That's a very important message uh, to put out there. If you want to get in touch with me on the show today, you know the usual numbers. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Or if you'd like to call in today, it's 1850-715-958. As I was telling you, I was away for a few days fishing the Mayfly. Oh, I got a few lovely fish, but oh, it was tough going, I have to say, with the blimmin' weather and everything else involved. But there you have it. Lovely to get back out on Loch Arrow and enjoy some fishing. It was absolutely wonderful after two years. It really was so, so enjoyable. Louise, I got back in time to watch Eurovision last night. Did you watch the first semi-final? No. I haven't watched Eurovision in years. I think it's just dreadful now, to be honest. <laughs> well, I tell you. Used to love it. Yes. And, 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 you know, it's still, it's the longest, one of the longest running TV shows in the world, you know, year in, year out. Only missing last year. Started in 1956. I'm a Eurovision fan, but I agree with you. Some of the voting and the winners were diabolical. But I can tell you this. I was pleasantly surprised by last night's semi-final. Uh, I watched it. And as I was watching it, I have it here beside me. I wrote down countries that I thought would qualify. There were 16 in the first semi-final, 10 to qualify. I honestly knew, Ireland, we hadn't a chance. Why? Not didn't a like chance. The song? I feel sorry for Leslie Roy. Last year's song, Story of My Life, was a far better song than this song, Maps. And could she not just put that in no, again? They just allow, no, no, oh, it's the okay. same for everybody. They wouldn't allow last year's songs in. I feel sorry for her. She's a great girl and a wonderful performer. She gave it everything. 
but the song's just not good enough. It's as simple as that. Maps, we need sat-nav for the Eurovision in this country. We've <laughs> lost our way for bloody years with it, to be honest with you. Mm. But I was writing down the, the countries and I wrote down Cyprus, Lithuania, Israel, Azerbaijan, Malta and Norway and all six of them got through. I knew they would. And there's some very good songs. Out of the those. six, who would you tip out? Oh. Now, I know there's another semi-final. And Malta, whatever, Malta's a big favourite from the semi-final, but I'll tell you, she'd want to take them tinfoil boots off or she had on last night in the name of God. Probably keeping her warm in this weather. Oh, geez, I'll tell you, she didn't need boots to keep her warm. I can tell you that for sure. Have a look at Malden. You know what I'm talking about. She, she didn't need them. I love Azerbaijan. Matahari is the name of the song. It's a real Arabic feel to it. And then on the other side, the Israeli song is good. You know, it's a very, very good song, I have to say. Really good. And I love the Lithuanian song, the one who started. They're all in yellow like canaries. It's called Discotect. <laughs> is the name of the song. Watch that one. Watch Discotect. Malta is the favoured one. Uh, but Azerbaijan, Matahari, I like that, and Israel, they are good songs. The six of them there. But what do we do? What do we do in this country too? You know, when you think about it, it's years now. So we're still mm-hmm. the, the leaders. You know that? Seven songs. Yeah, we've won with seven. But it's a long, long time ago since the last one. I don't know what to make of it, but... Well, not it gone the too political now, really? Or? Well, it can with the mm. voting. But honestly, if you have a good song, you think? it's going to be interesting to see GB, Great Britain, UK, have a real good song. <laughs> I haven't heard it, but I'm hearing that's a real good song this year. So who in Europe's going to vote for them? <laughs> the voters leave us. Do you expect they're going to win the contest? How come they're still in the Eurovision then? Yeah, the, well, the Eurovision, the Eurovision co- European it. Broadcasting Union is different to the political okay. structures. Oh, they're still in that, and they're one of the big players in there, like, t- all joking apart. But uh, they get no vote. <laughs> they're, 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 they they don't might get be any surprised. Votes. Well, maybe this year they'll buck the trend. I don't know. I'll have to have a listen to the song first. But now I'm hooked. I'm going to watch the second semi final on Thursday now and do another little list and report back to you because, you know. <laughs> have you a favourite song of all time? Eurovision. Well, let me say, today, stay with us on Late Lunch. I'm playing one of my favourites of all time after three today because that's what I'm doing. Instead of the Artist of the Week, I'm only in the short week. I've decided to play a few Eurovision songs that I love. And today's song I particularly love and I'll tell you the story about it after three. I do. Look, in, in, in Eurovision context, for me, ah, the night down to one with all kinds of everything. Louise, I said this before, it was like us winning the World Cup because Ireland, 1971... You know what the country was like? We were backward. Honest to God, we were backward. Totally backward. 71. Innocent. I'm afraid to ask, but was it black and white? Excuse me. Sorry, but... Excuse me. (laughs) Ours wasn't. We put an orange... We put orange paper in front of the (laughs) black and white television to give us a bit of (laughs) colour. Did you never hear that? We used to get different colours of paper and put in front of the television screen. We had colour, even though... You know... know, the see-through orange paper or, or, or pink paper and we'd be pretending we had colour on the black and white television. Jesus, weren't we weren't we just such, such innocents? We, 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 really? We, yes. <laughs> no, but then we got a little black and white television. Francis Finlis, the great late uh, Frank Finlis, uh, Francie, uh, supplied us with our first little colour television. I remember that as well. Memories, memories. Isn't that weather forecast brutal? It really is for the time of year. When you think of last year when we had the initial lockdown, we had a lovely long spell of dry weather. Not this time around. Those evening temperatures are brutal, to be honest with you. I was just listening to Simon on the news there and where the Guardian are saying that parents will be her- held responsible for the behaviour and actions of their children. 
it's uh, regard the antisocial behaviour that's been happening, especially around the Drogheda area uh, in recent days. That's great to hear because parents are responsible for their children. It's your responsibility to rear decent children, decent members of society with values and morals. That is the responsibility of anyone bringing a child into this world. And I'm delighted to hear that because too many, and it's in a small number of instances, but they cause havoc. Too many just wash their hands of it and allow them to do what they want and think they have nothing to do with it or no responsibility. Parents are responsible. End of story. And should be held accountable and responsible for the actions of their children, whether at unsocial, un- antisocial behaviour or anything untoward. That is a very important message to get across because it's uh, been something that's been lacking in my book for quite some time. And it's great to hear the Guardian making that clear to people and that message to go out strongly. Uh, thank you for your comments to the show today. Uh, there's somebody who says, I loved Sean Dunphy's song, if I could choose. Oh, it's an old song in the Eurovision, but it is a lovely song. Might be able to give it a spin for you before the end of the week. Um, hi, Jerry. Leslie Roy's song was all right, but the paper cutouts, oh, weren't they shocking, were simply dreadful. It's all about presentation and that backdrop did nothing to help her. Whoever decided that needs a wake-up call, says PJ in Late Town this afternoon. Harry, hey, Jerry, what about... Cleona Hagen, Cleona, Cleona Hagen, the country star, I know her. Uh, why don't we send her country star to Eurovision? Very disco-y, I have to say, the entries across Europe last night. Thanks for the message. Jerry, delighted you got your second jab today. Waiting for my second. How about playing Happy Days I Hear Again? I'll keep that in mind, I promise you. Helen, can we call you two jabs? Jerry now says, listen, you can call me anything you want, as long as it's not too early in the morning. Keep your comments going, Jimmy. I love them. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Now, my next guest. She is a fine woman and we've been touching base for her for a while on late lunch now and again to see how she's getting on and it's appropriate that we talk because on May the 11th just a few days ago Sue Masterson marked two years alcohol free she's on the line hello Sue hello Jerry. how are you I am good well if there was ever an advertisement for being alcohol free for two years, it's just that reply there now. You're full <laughs> of the joys. Will you just do something for me? Remind listeners who may not have heard your story. Two years back, uh, May 11th, why did you stop? I so I realised that I was I was probably drinking too much, to be honest, Jerry. Every Friday and Saturday night, I'd drink a bottle of wine, and then I went to the middle of the week, like I'd open a bottle in the middle of the week, and that would kind of go over two days. So soon enough, then I was drinking like four nights out of seven of the week. And like to me, that's a lot when I'm sitting at home by myself in the house. Mm. You know, I'm rather mm. socialising. On the Friday night, I'd chat to my friend up in Dublin while I was having a couple of glasses of wine or whatever. But it just seemed too much for me. And I just was like, right, I need to stop this. Do you know, because there's certain things I was doing as well that um, I kind of, I'd buy a bottle of wine in one garage at the end of the town and then when I was buying one on the say that was a Friday night so Saturday night I go oh I can't go back there do you know and when I started to kind of think like that I was like I need to stop this before it's becoming a bad habit and then you just stop it before it's becoming a problem so I did 
And you did cold turkey, bang, straight away yeah, you stopped. Straight away. Had your Good. pangs, you know, those early days, were you tested at any stage? Did you nearly slip? Or I know you're a strong woman. Did you just say, yeah. no, no, I ain't going no, back? Just no way was I going back. There was a, once I set my mind on something, that's it. And once I'm, I'm in sales, right? I, I've, um, I've been in sales for over 20 years, so I'm very target-driven anyway. So I use that kind of mindset for kind of getting to the, like 28 days was my initial Mm. thing that I wanted to hit. Then it was up to 90, then 365, and I've just continued it on. And there's no way I'm going back to day one. Not a hope. Isn't that (laughs) just wonderful to hear from you? And even during the last 14 months, that it was a year now, it's 14 months when, you know, we were limited and you were as well in your contact with friends and family and socially, etc. No way. You didn't feel like taking a little one just no. To, no. If anything, I feel blessed that and and I'm very grateful that I wasn't drinking then, that I had already started the one year no beer challenge. Yes. Because that really would have helped me because God knows, to be honest, I don't know what way I would have been. I probably would have started drinking more because I was able to I didn't have to drive anywhere. Do you know my I'm working from home. You just had to go in to my office. Do you know what I mean? So I'm I I'm so grateful. Um, that I that I had already started the challenge, and mm. um, yeah, I really, I, I really, I just, I, I wouldn't know what way I would have been over the pandemic. Okay, well, tell me this, and I'm sure there are people listening today would love to be able to tell your story, and they really want to kick this. Uh, what would you say, you know, to somebody listening today? What are the real upsides for Sue Masterson? Oh, seven days of the week back. I'm. Um, there's no hangovers. There's, my mental health has improved an awful lot because when I'd be hungover, I'd feel sad. My, both, both my parents have passed away. I'd be missing them. I'd be very tough on myself, you know, with a hangover going, why did you drink another bottle of wine? And just really, really tough on myself and not being kind to myself. So um, definitely being able to, like my mental health massively has improved. Um, fitness has improved. I've got back into my like running and um, exercise and things like that as well. Um, just relationships in general probably as well. I'm working harder. I'm more set on my goals than ever. I've always been goal driven, but more set on my goals than ever before. There's so, do you know what else as well? Better skin. Do you know, my skin has improved, mm. my hair's improved. Mm. It's not just a mental thing, it's physical as well that has improved. I'd, if anybody that's listening is thinking, do you know what, God, I'm drinking a bit like that as well, give it a go. Even if you just did 28 days, you'd notice the difference. And it's just, it's been life-changing for me. I went off it for the 40 days and nights, as you know, yeah. there. And to be honest with you, since I've had damn all. You know, I've had a, a couple, but I hadn't even... The desire. Now, it might be different. You know what I'm saying? If the pubs are open and I have friends that I meet, for, you know, once a week or whatever, maybe that might have been a different uh, scenario. But I honestly, I, I can understand what you're saying. I know goo for it. You know what I'm talking about? A yeah. I just, and, and, and I still don't, to be honest with you. It, it is interesting. And the 28 days is certainly a milestone. As well as that, like, I, I watch you and follow you. You're a great one for getting out the early mornings. I love those images you post. Yeah, oh. I, I love it. See, that's another thing about being alcohol-free. Is I seem to get up earlier in the morning. Now, I would naturally wake up kind of between six and half six every morning. And the first thing I do is throw on my leggings and runners and a top, of course. <laughs> and I'm, I walk in every morning. I go out for a morning walk. Now, I call it my mindful walk. I just take everything in. I watch the sunrise and it's just... It's fabulous. 
Yeah. And uh, like, and because of where I live, like I live in Offaly, and I walk up along the canal some days. I I switch to the bed, go through the town or whatever. But do you know what? I've just been kind of more mindful for what's around you. So I'll always find something different to take a photo of or whatever. Yeah, I love yeah. my early morning walk. Mm. So it's made a huge difference to your life when you look at before and after. There'll never be a before again. Oh uh, no, never, never, never. God, Never. you're a great, you really are a role model. You're a great story Thank for anybody, know. as you say, who, who may be, and there are people, I'm sure, listening to us who may find themselves in the same boat. But listen to what Sue Masterson is saying to us. And I'm not, in any way, I know people enjoy a drink and a drink in moderation and, you know, not going mad with it. That is fine. But look, you can see when it gets to a point, if you have to make a decision, this young woman has. When I, <laughs> when I say, tell you this as well, I was laughing. Your big day out in Dublin. Ah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> I felt like I'm in Dublin living in Offaly, but I went up to meet my nephew and because I hadn't seen him all through lockdown. Yes. And I uh, went up to Dublin. I was like, I felt like a tourist. Like, nowhere was open, but I went up and we just kind of walked around just to, for something different. Do you know that way? And yes. uh, Yeah, it was great going out, out to Dublin. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's great to see it that you were able to meet meet up again. And what about the hairdo? Woo-hoo. Oh, I tell you now, I'm anyone's fancy, as my mum would have said. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's brilliant! There, so, yeah, I get my hair done. A lovely girl, um, hair by Sarah Jane here in the town where I live, yeah. and uh, she's she's fabulous. And of course, we haven't been able to get our hair done since like it was the 18th of December. I got it last done, so I was kind of looking a little bit like Cruella Deville, but that's all sorted now. So I'm back to my most beautiful self now <laughs> <laughs> you certainly are but ah look at isn't it another thing that gives everybody a lift or as you say it throws on your positive pants yes exactly <laughs> you have to throw on your positive pants <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love that too but the other thing when you're out and about you notice so much more and I know you take the pictures as well yeah. now, one thing I saw you posting and I think it's lovely and I had my granddaughter uh, last week we were out for a walk ourselves and she saw them the dandelion in seed oh, aren't they brilliant I love them so Jerry, tell me is it a wish or is it a weed to you it's a wish Yes, yes, it's a wish. It's a wish, um, Sue, yeah. Aren't they? I think they're gorgeous, the dandelions. I love them. They're, I see them, I often see them when I'm out and about. So, um, yeah, I like to take photos of them as well. Yeah, because, you know, when you do pick them up, of course, we all know the yellow dandelion, and that is so important to the bees. And I congratulate many of the councils have not cut their uh, grass to allow the dandelions flower to feed the bees. But then when they do flower, they go into the, you know, the lovely thing at the top, little white thing with the seeds on the end of it. And I had Ava pick it up and blow it. And then I said to her, make a wish. Blow yeah, it I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's a you should get a picture of her doing that. I that must, I must, I will, I will indeed. And the other thing, I see you're, uh, you You could be actually uh, starting a tribute act to Miss Tina Turner. <laughs> that was my TikTok. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love, um, I love doing that, pretending yeah. I can sing. <laughs> oh, no, you can't, don't mind pretend you can sing. Rolling, yeah, oh my God, <laughs> you gave it hell. But life is good, you're, much better for that decision two years ago. Ah, uh, 100%. Yeah.
That's the message yeah, today. Yeah, 100%. You know, that's great. It really is great. You're wonderful because, you know, you went cold turkey. There was no, uh, you know, easing into this or whatever. And look at you today and all that's come into your life. And it is great. I wish you well for, for ever and ever that your life Thank is you filled so and happy and so uh, joyful, Sue. And keep on doing what you're doing. I love what you do on the social media. It's important to you, isn't it? That little posting, you know. of Yeah, I think, do you know, I do that just to kind of encourage others because I get up every morning and put up a sunrise or whatever. I know I had one yesterday and it just came to my mind, like, as the sun rises, let your mood rise with it. Do you know that way? I just... Yeah to kind of try to put a smile on people say you'll see me do funny things as well on it because I just like it's a difficult time for everybody mm. at the minute and if I can just help somebody smile with some funny post or whatever I'm happy to do that you are doing it by the spadeful thank oh, you thank so you. much for joining us and happy thank second you, anniversary thank you very much take care <laughs> yourself bye 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 wouldn't that woman just put you in good form you know Happy people make other people happy. It's the little saying on the calendar today. It is so true. It is true. It's infectious. You know, and we have to deal with the difficult things as well. And there's a lot of sadness about and things like that. But, you know, we've got to try and work on the other side as well. And Sue Masterson is a young woman who does. She's fantastic. She really is. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. If you have anything to say. Do give me a shout. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. 1850-715-958. If you'd like to call in, stay with us on Late Lunch this Wednesday afternoon. It's Westlife. And looking like that. We'll dedicate it to Sue Masterson, who's looking great. Two years alcohol-free. Congratulations to her. And on that theme, a message from a listener to say, Jerry, the reason why you're not bothered with alcohol is because you're not addicted. I'm off alcohol for 27 years now. Well done to you. And my high, Jerry, is the control I now have on my life. Alcohol, Jerry, is a controller of people. Thank you indeed for that lovely message today. Peter's back. Was he here, Louise? Was Peter here Monday or Tuesday with Joan? I don't think oh, so. Ah, she enough. missed him, Peter. <laughs> Peter, he only keeps the love letters for me, Peter. I have another one from him today, so I have given out and talking about the 70s and the vaccination and he told them to shove the vaccination and to give it to somebody else. Peter, stay well. Stay well. I hope you stay well always. Thanks for your messages. Another one there. Ireland Jerry became the laughing stock in the Eurovision world when they sent Dustin the turkey and then they sent t- another two turkeys. Jedward. Oh my God. <laughs> the song they sent this year was a good one, says John Andrade, but the Eurovision committee have taken steps to block Ireland. Ireland. They're blocking us. It's another conspiracy theory to do with Eurovision. Never mind COVID. The Eurovision are now blocking us. I don't know about that, John. But listen, I always appreciate your messages. I hear what you're saying. Just reminding you, County Mead Chamber is holding an online Mead Business Owners Networking event this Friday from 10 till 11. The event is open to all business owners and will give you the opportunity to meet and discuss issues with fellow business owners. Registration is essential to take part. Book your place by logging on to countymeadchamber.ie. Hit it, Louise. Yes, the cuckoo call. I always ask every year, have you heard the cuckoo? I heard him, Louise. 
There were cuckoos everywhere around Loch Arrow. Oh, my God. Birds. Yes, and the fellas in the boats fishing are a bit cuckoo as well, I have to say to you. Oh, when you hear them, Louise, right beside you. You know, and I've seen them once or twice as well. They're pretty shy birds. But there's lots of them in around the lake over there. And the journey they make, just like the swallows and the martins and everything, all that way from Africa every year to stay with us a few months. And the calls, quite... More than I've ever heard, I have to say, which is good to hear. It's probably lovely to hear when oh, you're, you know, you're just, away from the hustle and bustle yes, and traffic and it's everything. It's lovely. It really is lovely to hear. Just wondering, we don't hear them. You know that in the northeast here, they're a rarity. They really mm. are. They, the the whole uh, the urbanisation of this area, the landscape. You know, a lot of good farming land. The cuckoos don't really come here. I think we've had reports before in North Louth, up around the Cooley area, and in the west of Meath. You know, to the west of Meath, over mm-hmm. the uh, the bog areas there. They've definitely heard them there. So if you've heard a cuckoo in Loud the Mead, you might let me know. I'd just love to know. I'm only a bit curious about it. 086-1800-658. Not your cuckoo clock, please. <laughs> Not the clock. The real McCoy. Out in the open, you heard a cuckoo if you did in your travels. Any time around now in Loud the Mead, let me know. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me. A little bit of trivia on the show today. The Mr. Men. You were telling me about the Mr. Men. You love your Mr. Men. So I do. I saw it yesterday that they have two new books out. Okay. Mr. Cam and Miss Strong. Oh, that's you and me. <laughs> that's you and me. They brought those books out for us, Louise. I Miss, don't think I'd be strong Miss anyway. Strong. <laughs> And Mr. Cam, my backside when you know what is hitting the fan. <laughs> oh, in a flap. I, it's, it's I thought you were Mr. Perfect. Yes, I, I, I'll stay with that. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hold on to that title. So I will. But it's great, isn't it, that they have... still ongoing, yeah. still ongoing. And, uh, you know, the book that describes is the book. Yes, yeah, Sarah bought me that book. Didn't I tell you that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, indeed. Do you cup or something as well, no? Mug? Which? Have you a mug? Mr. Men mug? Yes. Yeah. The same one. The, the the perfect mug and the perfect. Somebody else gave me the mug. But there you are. It's impossible to be perfect. It's impossible. So it really is. You'd like to be, but then she wouldn't be happy if you were perfect, would you? Is there anybody perfect? There's nobody perfect in the world at all. Absolutely. Perfectly not. imperfect. Yes. Yes. And that's that is the right way to describe it for sure. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. We've two lovely guests waiting to talk to us. Yes, Michelle Reed and Brian Keegan are standing by, and there is a new play. It's absolutely brilliant. It really is. It's called On a House Like a Fire, and we're going to be talking about it on late lunch next. Rose, you're so kind. Oh, she sent me in the most beautiful pictures of the white thorn, and there's a hell of a bloom of white thorn on the ditches at the moment. And a lovely wee robin. Love to see them, Rose. You've given us a real lift this afternoon. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Yes, the cuckoo has been heard. Tullahinstown near Dunderry outside Navan. The cuckoo has been heard. Thank you, Seamus, for letting us know. And Gurley Bog in Meath. We've heard about Gurley before. A listener been on to say, yes, heard the cuckoo in Gurley, Jerry, over the weekend. That's two hearings in Meath. No cuckoos in Louth? Come on, anyone hear the cuckoo in North? You won't hear it in the south of the county or the middle of the county, but perhaps in the north. If you did, let us know. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Now, my next guests are patiently waiting to have a chat with us. There's a new play for Bialtana, the Age and Opportunity Bialtana Festival. It's called On a House Like a Fire. 
It's written by the brilliant Michelle Reed. She's a writer and award-winning performer and she has collaborated with the equally brilliant Brian Keegan, who's a composer for film, TV, dance and theatre and they're both on the line to tell us more. Hello, Michelle and Brian. Hiya, Jerry. Hello, Jerry. Ah, good to talk to you both. And you're coming through clear on Zoom. All oh, the wonders of technology. Isn't it brilliant? Michelle, tell us the story. I'm really touched by this because this is wow. based on your mammy. Yeah, this is, uh, it, I suppose it's not traditionally a play, really. It's, mm. it's because it's it's real life and mm. it's autobiographical. But it is hopefully relatable to other people as well. So it is my story, but hopefully it has a universal appeal and feel. It's about uh, me remembering um, my mother, Margaret, um, who passed away uh, in 2014 and part of the process I suppose that we we all go through when we lose somebody is sorting through their effects and their things and our memories of them and photographs and all that so the show kind of evolved very slowly um, out of that process in a way I started that process and it was very much for me but then gradually I started to think I might make a performance because I I am a a theatre maker Mm. Uh, and then I got talking to uh, Brian Keegan the composer about what I was writing and he suggested um, working with music in the piece and I think that's the point when I thought yes this this could be a a performance piece for for an actual audience and not just something for myself. You said it may resonate my god does it resonate uh, Michelle I'm sure. Oh thanks Jerry. Oh really with so so many people because I know what you're talking about most of us have been through that if you've lost a parent or whatever looking at the photographs thinking about them talking about the memories the songs they love things in their life you know what I mean you're on the nail here on the on the money. Oh, thanks so much, Jerry. I think that's always a concern when you're making something that's autobiographical or personal that, you know, can you transform it into something that is relevant for other people? So it's great to hear you say that. Thank you so much. Not at all. Brian Keegan, come into the conversation. Tell us about this coming together of you as composer with the writer and performer. You know, how, how does that, you know, happen? How do you tie in with this? Yeah, good question. Well, I was interested in the idea of memory anyway and of remembrance anyway. Um, and how can memories be captured in music? What is it that music can do uh, that will tell the story of a memory? Um, and then when Michelle came to me with, with her ideas, the, the, the ideas sort of started to fit together very well. So really, it, the, the piece is made up of a lot of fragments. The, the, the theatre piece is made up of fragments of text, fragments of memory scraps of things that happened in the past, uh, mentions of objects, sometimes quite trivial objects, quite trivial uh, moments in the past. And from my point of view, the music is also made up of fragments. So that was really the meeting point of the two the two aspects of this, uh, the text and performance, and then the music on the other side, with the idea of, of fragments, tiny pieces. So from the, in terms of the music, what we have is not um, uh, pieces that somebody would remember from their past, even though people do carry tunes and things like that from, uh, mm. from when they were children, they can carry them right till, till the end of their lives. But it's the, the music is much more abstract than that. It's a, it's an abstract uh, embodiment, if you like, in music 
of the idea of remembering of what a fragment might be. So we have fragments of um, the music is written for strings for a string quartet. Mm. Uh, it's not played by, by a string quartet in the piece that that's um, that, that's available from Druid, but it's uh, the music is made up of uh, fragments of strings uh, being played, and they are, they're in the form of echoes. So it's these echoes that I used as a way as containers for for memory and for fragments of memory. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, you know, it, music adds so much. It really does to the whole thing. I take it, Michelle, that this is a match made in heaven. Yeah, well, I mean, I think working with... Well, it was the first time I'd really worked with music in this way. Mm, mm. I had in the past. I've worked with composers before, but usually after the thing is made. Yes. So sort of, you know, talking to and realising this would help actually help me to make it. So really sort of starting with the music and the text from a very early stage was really, really helpful. Yeah. So mm. it was really revelatory as a sort of play, you know, because I also write traditional plays. So yeah. to work in this way was great. And your mum, tell us a little bit about Margaret. Obviously, when you do delve into her life and times from a young woman right through to her, her passing. For you, even as a daughter, did it surprise you some aspects of her life that this turned up? I think so, a little bit. I mean, you know, how how well do you really know your parents? Yes. Often you, you know them in, in, in the role as their child. And as you grow up, you of course, you get to know them better and maybe as an adult. But... Um, sometimes stories come up and you and you say, well, I never heard you talk about that before, you know, because it's it's just part of the fabric of their life. I think obviously when somebody passes away, you lose that opportunity anymore to, to, to ask them questions or to check back with them. There's something about people like your parents who are so familiar to you that you almost forget that they they have these whole other lives, you know, without without you before you were born or when you grow up and move move away, they have these whole separate existences. Of course, they do. Mm. Um, so it was interesting going back and looking at some of the photographs and and realizing when I looked back through my old photo albums and the chronology, I could see my mum's beautiful beehive hair changing to a very short chop by yes. the time she had more children mm. and, and and realizing as an adult oh, of course it just got too much work to have this you know glamorous styling mm. um and my parents were quite glamorous when they were young but it was interesting then as she got older I could see that she sort of grew her hair back again she got some of her glamour back when her kids had had grown up and I'd only really noticed uh, a, a thing like that as, a, as an adult looking yes. back yeah, isn't it interesting? But it's a universal saying for people. Isn't the wonderful comfort, Michelle, in in memories? I think so, Jerry. Absolutely. And some of those memories are, you know, are very personal. You might have memories with your family where you sit down and you reminisce, and you all remember the party or the holiday. And then, of course, there are those memories that you know you alone have, or I have. I, you know, spent time. Um, walking with my mom or going out to the beach with my mom, and we were the only two there. So I don't have anybody to verify or to confirm or to talk about that memory with. I, I I just have my own memory of it, and it is very comforting. But I think I was aware that your own memories can can kind of disappear or drift off, and I wanted to write some of them down and sort of hold on to them. Mm. Um, and I think that was part of the background of this show and then realising, oh, I think this is relevant to other people as well. And I, I and I think talking to people actually about the show, I'm realising 
the whole idea of memory books or writing down whatever age you are actually writing those things down as well as having photographs or objects can be very important um and and i found it i found it very valuable in this process of making this show but also personally Mm. For you, Brian, you know, when you work with somebody like Michelle and on a subject like this about her mom and mm. memory, it's very personal to her. Does it, you know, prompt anything within you? It it, it does, of course, Jerry. Yeah, like the, the, the show itself has, there's there's very poignant moments in it. There are, there are sad moments in it. And no matter how many times I've seen it in rehearsal or in development, it's 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 very touching. It it just is. It it, it would be to anybody. It, it does work at that level. Um, and from the creative point of view, uh, in order to uh, to actually function and and get something written and get something made, you have to detach from that a little bit. Like it's the same with any project that I'm on. Maybe you know I do music for film as well. You, on the one hand, a film could be say scary or funny or whatever it might be, but you have to step away from it. You have to acknowledge that and then step away from it and say, "What is the essence of this? What is it that I'm actually trying to capture here?" So that's what happens uh, with the music in this piece. And, and the approach was, as I said, to to sort of abstract it to have music that is that is somehow beautiful and abstract and acts as a backdrop or acts as a container for the entire piece. Um, and sort of acknowledges those kind of emotions that you're talking about, acknowledges the fact that, you know, it, it is sad or it is um, it is poignant. Uh, so the music can acknowledge that. But in order to create the music, you do have to sort of step away from it um, to, to be functional at all and to be creative. Mm. In a general sense, while I have both of you with, with me, I can't pass on this one. The last, I mm. keep saying this 40-month thing again, Brian, has been uh, mm. really, really difficult for everybody. But for people in the entertainment performance world of arts. It's been shocking altogether. Um, I, I saw the Minister, Catherine Martin, speaking in recent days, looking at this whole aspect of a basic wage for artists. I take it uh, you would uh, welcome that warmly, Brian. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a great idea because there's, there's there are people who are extremely creative mm. and they're really they're, they're they're really tied because they they end up having to uh, take jobs to just just to support themselves and their families keep a roof over their head. You know, in normal times when there are jobs. Yeah. Um and if if somehow that money was to be used to support them but allow them to be creative as well, yeah. it would transform this country. It would be amazing if these artistic creators of people in, in all kinds of, of, um, of fields of, of the arts uh, if they were allowed to express themselves rather than to be uh, you know be, be under such pressure that they yeah. they can barely afford to exist mm, at all living hand to mouth I, I know I have exactly. to say to both of you it's one great miss in my life. I'm a great fan of the theatre and plays and we've missed it immensely, honestly, since oh, yeah. uh, lockdown yeah. happened. I'm sure you're both hearing that from an awful lot of people. But this is the dawn of the new beginning. It really is, <laughs> folks, because this is the we're on the way back up for sure. Just before we finish, Michelle, a couple of things very important to mention. Viewers, because this, of course, it's online again this year, will be able to share their own memories with you and you intend to give a little gift back. That's right. If you book your ticket, you get a little gift from us, which is uh, a memory of Margaret, but it's in a tangible form. It's something that Margaret gave to me and I'm happy to share with people because it's lovely and delicious. Mm. I won't say any more than that, but you might get the idea. Yes. Um, and, um, And then after the show, if you've come to see the show, we'll send you another link 
um, to a memory exhibition, which is kind of focused on objects, actually, and the memories that yes. they hold. Mm. Um, yeah, but but uh, if people want to see the show, we're hoping to, we, we're definitely hoping that it'll be live next year. We'll yes. bring back a live version. Great. But at the moment, in the interim, in this intervening time before we all get back out there again it is um online via drihad arts center who have co-produced the show and have been great supporters in yes. helping to get the show this far yeah and a big thanks to, to colette farrell and, and uh, the Drihid great people great, i know them well are oh, their champions yeah. they really are yeah, so yeah. drihad arts center the show is available from the 21st to the 25th of may folks it's only a tenner jeepers almighty you'll spend it on a cup of coffee <laughs> you'll spend it on a coffee check it out and enjoy Congratulations to both of you on a house like a fire available from the 21st to the 25th. 10 euro, Drihid Art Centre. Check it out. God bless you both. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much, Thanks, Jerry. Jerry. Take care of yourselves. Bye bye. Bye bye. Anne's been on to say, Jerry, no cuckoos when we were children in our neck of the woods, but my granny used to tell us that the pigeons cooing were the cuckoos, and we were very happy to hear that. Isn't that lovely? The gran telling that the uh, pigeon, you know, the pigeon's quite different uh, to the cuckoo, but as children, what different? did it make? Nigel McKenna hello in New York City. Nigel travels a lot in the world for business he says just listening to you there Jerry. keep in mind if you are planning to travel in the EU this summer, restaurants have limited seating due to COVID restrictions and social distancing. Restaurants will be booking for prepared customers only. It's going to be hard to find a restaurant to sit down and eat. Interesting point when you go there. Lovely to hear from you Nigel today on the show. Thanks for listening on the other side of the Atlantic Oh Louise, Peter's back Peter's back again. That man, you have to hand it to him. He's, he's persistent. I give him. are like an old married couple. Oh, we're, we're, you know, <laughs> exactly. You know, a bit of bickering between the two of us. But he says, Jerry, just a statistic China has a population of over 1.5 billion. 1.5 billion. And that's 1,500 million, I know. And only, uh, uh, what does he say there? 5,000 people have died uh, um, of COVID. You see, the reason is in China, Louise, you know what happened in China? They shut the place down, Peter. People were locked down completely for long periods of time and they controlled it because in China, you wouldn't break the lockdown, Louise. No. You would not. Because I know this from uh, a friend who was living there. When it was locked down, it was locked down. Nobody allowed out until they cleared. Massive testing. Vaccinations as well. How many people have been vaccinated? It's huge. And you have to take it in China, Louise. You have to take no it. choice. No choice, Peter. No choice. They proved you can do it. We're lawless people. That's the problem. We're lawless people. When you have that control of a communist system, that's why it works. That's why the debts are small and why they've got to grips with it. It's as simple as that. It's logic. Thank you, Peter. Late lunch, LMFM radio after three on the show. Yes, Father Derek Ryan is talking to us from the Redemptors in Dundalk. There's been a big revamp there. And I have a very special Eurovision song just for you. Stay with us. So for these days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'd normally have an artist of the week for the full week. Wouldn't do them justice this week. So decided with Eurovision on the horizon. Semi-final one last night, number two tomorrow night, and then the final itself on Saturday. Looking forward to it. I'd... Uh, at this time, spin some of my Eurovision favourites. And on Friday on Late Lunch, we will be playing all Eurovision songs on the show on Friday. So if you have a favourite, let us know. It might get a spin here on the Late Lunch. And we'll be talking to some 
well, Eurovision royalty here on Friday. But for today, I've selected the 2012 Eurovision winner. And the contest that year was held in Baku in Azerbaijan. They've won it once. I told you they have a good song this year uh, as well. Anyway, this one received the highest number of 12,000 points. 12 points from uh, the juries in the contest's history and still holds that record today. They got number one scores, top scores, 12 points from 18 countries. It was an international success as well, selling over 2 million. And for a Eurovision winner, that really is a biggie. And it holds the record for most downloaded song uh, from Eurovision. So it's an awful lot going for it. Interestingly, it qualified from a, a semi-final heat as well. And in the final, it received 372 points. The highest points ever from a jury. The juries, you know, it's a combination of juries and televotes now. And of the 4 million televotes cast that year, this song received 700,000 of the of the uh, votes from the audience, you and I watching the show. It was the sixth time the country won Eurovision. Now, you know, we hold the record, Ireland, for seven wins. Who's second with six? Of course, it's Sweden. And it all began in 74 with ABBA. They won again in 84, 91, 99, 12. This one was from 2012. And they've won it since in 2015. So they're breathing down our necks. Oh, they'll be level with us shortly for sure, the way we are going. Anyway, for your enjoyment today on Late Lunch, here she is, Sweden's Eurovision winner 2012. I love this song. It's Loreen and Euphoria. I love that song. I really do. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful Eurovision song. I remember being in a disco one night <laughs> shortly after it hit number one. At me age in a disco going belubas <laughs> to that one. But it was a biggie, biggie. It really was. And one of those Eurovision songs that stays with me. And I'll bring you another of my Eurovision's favourites on Late Lunch tomorrow around about this time. I think it, they're euphoric in the Redemptress in Dundalk. They've reopened, yes, and they've done a lot of work in the meantime. Father Derek Ryan joining me next. Thinking about what happened at St. Joseph's in Dundalk, of course, you were very familiar with the Redemptress there and the St. Gerard's Novena and more. Besides, they've been good friends of ours on late lunch for years. The words are the term back to the future come to mind. Father Derek Ryan is on the line to tell me more. Afternoon, Father Derek. Good afternoon. It's great to hear uh, the Eurovision team coming through the, the airwaves <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> this is all in good form. Those of us who are sitting in offices around the country as well. Oh, it's yeah. In good form. Thanks for that. No, at all. It's a great old song as well. I have to say, it's one of those that have always stuck with me. And I'm sure you're euphoric thinking about Euphoria and the song there to be reopened again. Yeah, I mean, it's been such um, a journey and like the past 15, 16 months for everyone has been, it's been so difficult. But I suppose from the parish point of view and for those of us who work in parishes, it's been particularly difficult, you know. And um, yeah, it's great to be out the other side of it. Um, We are reopened, as they say, uh, last Monday morning. I couldn't get over, like, we, we have three masses here every every single day of the year. And, um, like, it was just wonderful to see faces mm. back in the church again, you know. Oh, yes. And um, it does it does the people good, but it does us good here as well in the monastery. I mean, there's about 11 priests and brothers living here. I'd say the average age is about, you know, 80, give or take. 
and you know for for the lads here in the monastery just to see people again and being able to chat to people uh you know it's it's been it's been great you know yeah. uh so we're we're reopened, and that's that's what we can say for the moment. Let's hope it stays that way. Um, and someone said to me recently that you know every lockdown has a, a silver lining. Now I'm not sure if that's the case for everybody, but for us here in in the Redemptorist Church, we we managed to refurbish uh, all the seats in the church uh, over the the, the past uh, the past couple of months. You know while the church was closed. And we've brought the floor of the church back to the way it looked about 100 years ago. So we stripped back all the, the polish and we've put clear varnish on the floor. And um, if there's anyone listening in, and maybe you'd be passing through Dundalk over the coming weeks, we're inviting you, official, officially inviting you to stop by the Redemptorist Church. Park your car up and have a look at some of the, the work that's been done mm. here over the past while. Um, I suppose since the lockdown ended, People have been travelling from different counties to visit, uh, to sit down, to light a candle. You know yourself, uh, Jerry, the, the famous shrine to Sir Jared Magella, yes. uh, coming to say we prayer. Uh, you know, you can write your prayers down here in our church and you can put them into a box and we, we read the prayers at the Masses as part of our, our novenas here. And it's something, you know, it's something so simple. You know, to ask people to part their car up and come in and sit down, it might seem so simple. But it's something people really missed over over the past year, yeah. and now you get to come into our church and see it's sparkling at the moment. Mm. It's the only way to see, you know, the, the, the floors. It was a company from uh, Knockbridge uh, who who um, who overhauled the floors, and it was a company from Leitrim uh, that refurbished the seats. And it's just they're just back to their the way they looked a hundred years ago, and they're absolutely glistening. So, uh, in a socially distant way, we're telling people call in, say hello to us, and 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 just experience the Redemptorist Church in a, in a new uh, in a new way. Oh yes, I've been hearing it firsthand from. Um, a couple of people who've been there and they said it is a joy to be whole so as Father Derek says if you're passing do call in just something you mentioned there I might as well uh, latch onto it for a moment what's your thoughts for the big novena St. Gerard's later in the year can you say at this stage is it too early it's, yeah it's, it's too early you know obviously uh, we would be uh, getting you know some local advice here from the, the county council we would al- obviously be, be keeping in tune with what's happening uh, and what's being said um, uh, from the government's perspective. And it's just too early to say yes, you know, and we need to see how the, the rollout of the vaccine goes. And we also need to, you know, make sure there are no new variants coming in uh, to the country and who knows what's going to happen over the next coming months. Uh, the only thing I, I will say is that like last year, as you know, there was a novena last year. The doors were closed and thousands of people watched in online. We'd love a situation. We would really love it if uh, we could bring members of the public back into the church for the big novena. But it's still too soon. And I'd say it's going to take us a couple of months before we make a decision on that. But as always, it'll be a decision that's made with the local government and with the the national guidelines from uh, HSE, NEFET and the government as well. It's such a big event. Uh, In many ways, it's become a national event now, the St. George's Novena. Mm. People from all over the country uh, travel to it. You are talking about somewhere in the region of about 12,000 people a day coming through the doors of the church. It's no joke, you know, it's no joke. And um, and we, we will be taking the decision very seriously. But as I say, Jerry, it's all about following the advice and the guidelines mm. and uh, we won't be making any decision on our own. Oh, no. We'll be making it with the help of others, you know. Of course, of course. And uh, I'm well familiar with it. Sure wasn't I named after him by my mother who attended religiously all those years ago 
and I, I've been there and I have a, a lovely wee documentary I made about the greatest festival of faith in Ireland and uh, I have a particularly close association with it and I do hope it's back. Just before we finish today, I have to ask you, you know, again, referring to the year or more back, uh, awful sadness for families with people passing away, weddings restricted, christenings, all the things that are the, the fabric of life for so many people in Ireland. It's been testing for yourselves, Derek. Yeah, it's been very testing. I mean, I can only speak of the, I suppose, the experience here on Dundalk Town, and it's been a very uh, difficult experience for families across the town. Um, I'm thinking of the amount of people who would have died in some of our local yeah. local nursing homes. Uh, I'm thinking of, I suppose, couples who've had to cancel their big wedding day. I'm thinking of, uh, I suppose, Holy Communion confirmation ceremonies. All those landmark occasions that we've had to put on hold. And it's it's been very, very testing uh, for families. Families, I'm very aware, even now, you know, it is the, the 19th of, of May. Um, you'd like to think we're the other side of the lockdown and there's brighter days ahead. But to be honest with you, there's still an awful lot of families out there still grieving for a loved one. And it's... Um, all I can say is that, you know, parishes have, have been busy and have been journeying with people every step of the way over the past uh, 15, 16 months. I'd be very conscious of some of my friends who are priests uh, across Meath and, and West Meath and a lot of my friends here in County Loud. You know, it's, um, it's been quite a trying time, yes, for priests, but I think more so for families. And um, the only thing I can say is parishes are, are, are open. We're, we're there to, to listen and we're there to help in any way we can. Absolutely, and you're, you've done a wonderful job and continue to do so, and uh, very important, we've just realised how much for such a great part of the population that the church was missed, but they're back, the doors are open, and again, just uh, repeating what Father Derek had to say, if you're passing Dundalk, call into St. Joseph's, it's a beautiful church, and have a look at this restoration work uh, that's happened, it is simply wonderful. Wish you well with your work and uh, everything that goes on there, and please God, you will have people back for St. Gerard's later on in the year. It's great to chat to you, Father Derek. Excellent. Thanks very much for the time and thanks to your viewers. Bye. Not at all. Thanks for joining me. That's Father Derek Ryan there, Redemptorist, St. Joseph's in Dundalk, speaking to me today. And the work is beautiful. It really is. Well done to them. It started with Michael Cusack, our good friend, of course, who's in Luxembourg now. And it was a big, big job. A lot of other work happened down there as well. Uh, with uh, the church and besides uh, but they're uh, now open for business and uh, Michael's legacy of course will always be with them there in St. Joseph's. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today we've a cracking lineup for you tomorrow in late lunch. We really have uh, Breda Casserly's with me and Breda will be talking to me tomorrow and reminding us all that it's too late to have regrets when it comes to the end of your days. She's a brilliant, brilliant woman and she's talking to me tomorrow. Life is for living. Kristen Jensen, it's a while since we spoke to her. She set up a new publishing company for people in the culinary world. Yeah, it's quite different. It's quite different to the normal cookery books, I promise you. Tom Shaw's with us on World B-Day and it's B, B-double-E, D-A-Y, B-Day. The B's, the fellas that buzz around. Yes, it is the World Day tomorrow. Tom, of course, great beekeeper, will be talking to us. And he has a wee story of his own to tell as well. And we're getting flaky on late lunch tomorrow. Yes, we'll be a bit flaky too. Shall we have to mix and match, don't we? You'll have to find out tomorrow what that's all about. Flaky late lunch. What are they talking about? You have to come back here tomorrow at 1.30 to find out. Have a lovely Wednesday evening. Eddie Caffrey is raring to go at the drive next. See you tomorrow. God bless. 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the northeast with same-day business finance, so let our van specialist Danny find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. If you just look at the dashboard, there we are. That's If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.